Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Peter Werby. Peter Werby is, among other things, a radio host, and I have been a guest on his show many times, and it is an honor to have him finally on my show. You can find out about Peter Werby at peterwerby.com. Werby is W-E-R-B-E. But we are also going to be talking about the Fifth Estate, and you will want to check out fifthestate.com org online. Peter Werby, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Well, thank you, David, and, and likewise, it's a privilege, it's an honor. You've been such an addition to my talk show here in Detroit, so it's uh, good to be on yours. And, and I should say that Peter has, I, I think, played a role in getting this show aired uh, on a station or two, which is always appreciated. This this show is free to any station. Peter, we're, we're here to talk about the Fifth Estate, which is a uh, a newspaper that was started 50 years ago. Uh, so it's, you know, this is something that's been active in opposing war since the Vietnam era, just like most living peace activists, I'm afraid, in this country. But maybe we should start with where did this come from? Well, as they always say, time flies when you're having fun. And uh, it's been a pleasure, um, and maybe that word isn't even the best. It's, it's been a rewarding experience to be involved on my part for uh, a long time with the Fifth Estate. was the newspaper, now it's in a magazine format, but we always call it the paper. There was a wave of oppositional papers that began actually in 1965 with five original newspapers that constituted themselves as what became uh, called uh, the underground press. And then it was actually the underground press movement And by 1970, there were over 500 regularly appearing newspapers, tabloids, a lot of them weekly, uh, in fact, most of them weekly, and had a total circulation, depending on whose figures you're looking at, of four to five million. So that was an extraordinary impact on particularly young activists of the day. And back in the day, back half a century ago, there, there were a lot of people opposing the war, demonstrating and protesting for civil rights, civil liberties, gay rights, women's rights. And that was all combined in these newspapers that, if you can imagine, you know, no Internet. I mean, you and I lived when there was no Internet. Now I can't even imagine how it was that you actually had to wait for a tabloid newspaper to get some sense rather than these journals of professional liars uh, that would come out daily in our cities. And 500 newspapers from the left demanding peace and justice and anti-racism and women's rights and, and so on, that, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, that's 500 regularly appearing. And then there were uh, all sorts of publications that would come out once. Uh, there were mimeographed, I don't know if people even remember that technology, just forgetting what it is, a pretty simple uh, thing. that. But there were you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more of high school newspapers, labor caucuses, uh, neighborhood uh, publications, all that were oriented towards, as you said, ending war, ending racism, ending gender discrimination, sexual orientation discrimination. And it was reflective of the times, obviously. I mean, everybody everybody knows about the 60s. And you know, I, I sometimes get uh, the feeling that young people are, oh, no, they're talking about the 60s again. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just being too self-conscious. But preparing 
museum exhibits to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Fifth Estate newspaper, going through half a century of publications of going from every uh, period, from when it was a weekly till now when it comes out only three times a, a year, uh, the material in there and uh, that reflects the opposition is absolutely amazing. And you can tell, I mean, one of the lessons is, is just how un- undemocratic this country is, because with all of the opposition at every level of society during the 1960s, the, the rulers you know, continued their war, gave up, I guess, formal uh, racism and formal uh, discrimination against uh, other groups in society, but still tenaciously hold on to uh, those uh, aspects of our society, particularly, as you know, David, is uh, a war. I mean, that's the cornerstone of this society. Militarism as a culture and uh, militarism as uh, the keystone of our economy. Yeah, I guess, you know, there may be doubts arising that racism is formally uh, even abolished with, with the proliferation of cell phone videos of police and the uh, people waking up in sweats now uh, afraid of uh, Syrian toddlers and, and so forth. I mean, these are these are ongoing struggles. It, it may be that all of those radical publications could collectively have been called the, the Fifth Estate. Where did, where did that name come from? I like the name, the Fifth Estate. Well, now, of course, it's uh, <clears throat> pardon me. It's uh, was the name of that movie about Julian Assange, and the the, the three people always say, "What?" I mean, we we're not fond of the name, but you know, it's always been there. Nothing that we could do in French society before the revolution. There was the the general estates, uh, which were the the royalty, the clergy, and the common people. In in the 1920s, someone said that the press was so powerful that it constituted a fourth estate. And I guess we one-upped it, huh? I, I, I take the, I mean, I don't know if this was how it was meant, but I took the name to mean that the fourth estate wasn't doing its job, so that a fifth one was needed. Well, in the case of the fifth estate publication, it was the name of a coffee house in Los Angeles in 1965 when the young founder of uh, this publication was out there, and he said, oh, that's a cool name. And I asked him just recently, I said, did you put that because you saw that as, implying just what you said and he said no i just thought it was a cool name (laughs) but then there's also a a band called the fifth estate and the cbc has a news magazine called um, uh, the fifth estate the fifth estate newspaper actually wrote cbc in the 1970s said hey we've already got that name could you go find another and they never replied so anyway, that's uh, that's and, the name we have. And, and, and Peter Werby, who was that founder? Let's give him some credit and, oh, and other yeah. men and women involved. And, and yourself, when did your role start? Well, I started pretty early. Uh, Harvey Obshinsky, uh, who if anybody has seen Who Killed the Electric Car, uh, Harvey's father, Stan Obshinsky, played a big role in development of that kind of battery technology for electric cars. And also... Um, was uh, so Harvey Ofshinsky was the 17 year old that came back to Detroit and said, I want to start a newspaper like the one he had seen out in Los Angeles in 1965, the Los Angeles Free Press, one of the first ones to appear as part of the underground press movement of the 1960s. And it was a one man show, 17 year old and a couple of his brothers and sisters. And he connected up with the Detroit Committee to end the war in Vietnam. This was 1965. And uh, 
suddenly the thing just blossomed. The anti-war activists, artists, radical students, uh, people that uh, defined the, the 1960s, all of a sudden made this uh, publication explode, along with ones that were exploding in every other, not even just major city, but uh, so many cities. I mean, there were you know, regular appearing newspapers, uh, left underground papers, as they were called, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in, in East Lansing, Michigan, places like that. So, so I often say the papers wrote themselves, and uh, a couple of people said, what the hell does that mean? And I, and I thought it was uh, obvious, but what it means is that it was the zeitgeist. It was in the air. It was uh, what happens at any period of uh, contestation with power. It happened in the 1880s, 1890s, first part of the 20th century, happened in the 1930s, and it happened again in the 1960s. I don't really know how to measure the Internet, because it really took a movement to produce these papers, whether it was the labor movement of the 1930s and the, or the radical union movement of the first part of the 20th century. For instance, in... Um, northern Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. The Radical Union, the Industrial Workers of the World, the IWW, or who they called the Wobblies, had a bi-weekly paper in the Finnish language that had a circulation of 30,000. This is up in these you know, uh, copper mining districts. And now, you, if you or I, David, wanted to put out a Finnish language uh, you know, blog, we could just do it, right? Just yeah. one of us. I, I'm sure they had Swedish, Joe Hill's language, and uh, and Norwegian as well. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 was the movement itself um, that produced uh, the paper. Although it takes individual creativity, like Harvey Yashinsky, the founder, had to actually um, put it t- together to make it happen. In other words, I was around, but it never occurred to me to start a newspaper. But I jumped on pretty early, and. Um, those of us in the Detroit Committee to End the War in Vietnam also uh, were heavily involved in it. In fact, the first issue of the paper was refused by the printer because it showed an American flag, and instead of stripes, it had bayonets. So this good patriotic printer in the home of the free and the land of the brave and the First Amendment refused to print it, saying it was unpatriotic. And, uh, and then, actually, interestingly, it was printed by... Um, a black nationalist, Reverend Albert Clegg, who in Detroit had founded the Church of the Black Madonna and who became pretty prominent in uh, Pan-African and uh, black nationalist politics, particularly in the Detroit area, but in the Republic of New Africa also, which is a an organization from the 1960s. It's, it's an auspicious beginning, both the opposition to nationalism and that you didn't edit to please the printer. You went and found a different printer. The uh, We're talking with Peter Werby about The Fifth Estate, a publication that's now hit 50 years, and the website is fifthestate.org. Uh, Peter, I wonder if you can tell me where this quote comes from. The Fifth Estate supports the cause of revolution everywhere. Oh, that would be our biographers, our, uh, those who chronicled all our actions, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> yeah, what's with them? What's their, their connection here? <laughs> well, they just, uh, you know, in, uh, in any free democratic country that welcomes, uh, you know, dialogue, you have a secret police. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, that's contradictory, isn't it? Um, yeah, they uh, were all over us, as were 
what was called the Detroit and the Michigan State Police Red Squad. The, 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 the Reds were the commies of the day, and the, anybody who was the left of Mussolini um, fell into that category. And through the Freedom of Information Act and through a court settlement here uh, in Detroit, we uh, were able to game a lot of these files, and there it was. And we thought, hey, nicely put, guys. The Fifth Estate supports the cause of revolution everywhere. We'll put it on our masthead, and just so you don't think we're plagiarists, we'll give you credit. So that's what it always says, FBI. <laughs> um, and you know what? I, I'll, I'll tell you, David. I Looking through files, and we, and we haven't even talked about these museum displays for the, the, here in Detroit. Uh, two museums are, are uh, having exhibitions about uh, the Fifth Estate's 50th anniversary of publishing. Um, but uh, I, one of the pieces is a... Uh, uh, an FBI document about me, um, just saying what I do and what have you. And I, I was looking at other, because I got my file back, I was looking at other pieces of it, and it said uh, former addresses. And it had my addresses back till um, I was eight years old. And I don't know why they missed the earlier ones. but uh, And I, I kind of laughed. And then I all of a sudden, this chill went down my spine. Because as a, a white, middle-class person, I felt pretty impervious to the threats that government represents. In other words, I wasn't um, a Black Panther who was going to be assassinated in his bed like Fred Hampton was in um, in Chicago in 1968 or, or anything like that. Nothing could happen to me, right? But just a little twist in our country's history, and uh, you know, I could be looking through barbed wire, right? So yeah. it's pretty creepy, and and. Uh, because activists in other countries don't get the latitude that we do. And, uh, and that I became very, very uh, aware of that. Yeah, and of course, as far as I know, you were not uh, violating laws, threatening anyone's safety. Uh, and this is the problem with the, uh, I'm not doing anything wrong, why should I object if they spy right. on every move I make argument, is that the, the focus always goes on the people challenging, uh, using the First Amendment, trying to use uh, the right to speak and assemble. And it maybe didn't intimidate you and your colleagues for 50 years, but I bet a lot of people dropped out from the intimidation. And the uh, and the the preemptive detentions and the threats that come with that that sort of surveillance. Um, but but let's talk about the uh, the exhibitions and the and the marking of the fiftieth anniversary. There's a there, there's another quote I saw in in a Fifth Estate publication from Abby Hoffman that said <laughs> uh, to the effect, if they don't jail you and they don't kill you, they'll eventually honor you. Now, I don't know if that's actually a law uh, of physics that applies in all cases, but I is that what's happening now? Well, that's extraordinary. Yeah, there there's a very, very hip museum, if you will, in Detroit, the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit. So the fact that there now is an exhibition going on until January 3rd there in Detroit, uh, uh, with all these posters and pages and front covers of the Fifth Estate and photographs and what have you. That's sort of consistent with what they do. They like to be a little edgy. But that the Detroit Historical Museum, which is an old-line Detroit museum, now has the story of the Fifth Estate front and center in their main gallery. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, I guess they don't think we're a threat anymore because uh, I was thinking, boy, after they set up this exhibition, uh, and including uh, 
all sorts of covers that I would think that in a in a museum that caters to school kids and uh, you know suburban uh, uh, you know retirees coming in for the day to see the history of their great city, mostly expecting to see uh, a baseball from Ty Cobb or uh, uh, you know the stuff the arsenal of of uh, democracy for the World War II production, which is all there. And the uh, old streets of Detroit, there they go, you know, and they look, and right in the center of the place are these fifth state covers talking about revolution. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we've been defanged. I hope not. Does it, does it have that effect? Does it make uh, the fifth estate less threatening and less powerful? Like, you know, the peace, peace symbol and the peace movement being used to advertise underarm deodorant? Does it somehow, <laughs> like, uh, mainstream and neutralize and Santa Claus it? Well, the, as you know, in, in r- fragile societies where the rulers feel uh, that, their, that their control is so, uh, you know, at, at risk... You publish a poem, and suddenly you know you've been picked up by the secret police and tortured. Here, the capacity for uh, sucking in opposition uh, seems to almost be endless. So, yeah, we can you know we can call for revolution everywhere, and and call ourselves the enemies of the state, and threaten its uh, very foundations with uh, what we write. And of course, you know we're not just theoreticians; we're political activists. We're involved in the movements of the day, the we, uh, being the staff people that are uh, involved in this. So I keep thinking, gee, are we any different than we were when the cops uh, broke into our place and stole our, our, our subscription list and, and went to our printers and said, don't print the, the Fifth Estate uh, newspaper? And uh, But I don't know. I mean, maybe Abby Hoffman's right. They haven't they haven't jailed us, and they haven't killed us, and they are honoring us with these two museum ex- exhibitions in Detroit. So. Is, is, is the result in any way increased visits to the website, increased circulation? Uh, and, and once people get there, is the, is the content unchanged? Is the politics the same? In the in the actual newspaper or magazine, yeah, itself? yeah, is what is what you're publishing at the Fifth Estate the same politics uh, yeah. as as 50 years ago? Well, I'll tell you, the, the, you know, we have a lot of oppositional movements going on now, and you are so active in promoting those. You're you're a real treasure, David. Uh, I know when one does it, it's just you just get the feeling, hey, that's just what I do. But one of the things, looking back on the Fifth Estate newspaper, I go, oh my God, we actually. Uh, you know, we're part of organizing a huge demonstration in De- in Detroit, and you know, fill in the the date. Um, uh, but uh, the content, the only thing that's different is that it's the the current Fifth Estate magazine. Because now, rather than coming out weekly, it comes out three times a year. It's a lot more theoretical. It has. Uh, I mean, what I would hope is that people would read critiques of this country, this culture this economic system, uh, the environment, and when they um, look at the world, that, w- that some of the questions we raise would be the ones through which they view the world as well. And I, d- I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, because one of the things, of course, that we want people to do is be critical thinkers and to just not accept, uh, what, what's the phrasing, you know, not given information, but, you know, the what 
what's passed along. Groupthink, <laughs> common the, wisdom. Yeah, the yeah certainly common wisdom. But I would say most of the readers are uh, people that have a, a radical perspective on the, the world and have that sense that I don't know if they know. I don't know if they think that a new world is possible anymore. But it's certainly well. There's the old anarchist, the old Spanish anarchist from the uh, phrase from the nineteen. Uh, or for, yeah, from the nineteen late nineteen thirties, we have a new world in our heart, which yeah. is uh, certainly still present in us. And actually, we were very, very influenced by Spanish anarchism, of that actually created a new world in the late nineteen thirties, and which, if anybody knows about it, is they call it the Spanish uh, Civil War, uh, but with and where fascism triumphed. But the the Spanish anarchists created a uh, of virtually a new society and called it the Spanish Revolution. They collectivized agriculture, they collectivized uh, industry, and ran it in a manner that uh, most people would, as a matter of fact, think the way things should be, rather than authoritarian hierarchies, the common democracy and respect uh, for everyone. And whereas if you say anarchism or communism, people go, oh, you know, it's pretty. But if you just talk about, hey, we're all involved in the same project together. Whether it's a, pardon me, a community, or whether it's a, a factory, or whether it's a farm, and why don't we all get together and use our common um, uh, sense of how things should be carried out? People go, yeah, that sounds cool. And, and um, I think people see themselves as continuing those traditions in Spain, in huge cooperatives and yeah. and in movements that have now had some success in Spanish government and in the government of Catalonia, and uh, and I, I would hope that people. Uh, in the United States that are active now uh, are looking to the tradition uh, that goes back 50 years. It, and you can go to fifthestate.org and see the current issue but and, and past issues and look at that tradition. Um, one of the, I'll give you another uh, headline from the Fifth Estate, Christ's Body Found, <laughs> Easter Canceled. Now, is this a is this a was there a sort of a serious uh, promotion of atheism here, or a, a, a de, just a desire to shock in any way, or is there a, a precursor to the Onion type of publication uh, well, there? And, probably all of that plus several. Let, let me uh, just as a parenthesis here. Yeah. Uh, when you 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 gave uh, the website, one of the things I would do is in gratitude for this uh, interview and for the number of times you've been a guest on my Detroit. Talk show. I would offer all of your listeners a free sample uh, copy of our brand new, uh, which is just about to be published, 50th anniversary edition, and uh, and we're just actually preparing the mailing list. So if they hey, they could either go to uh, fe at fifthestate.org or go to the fifthestate.org website, and you can get to it from there, and we'll we'll send you out a copy. It's a uh, it's a beautiful issue, and we've you know stepped it up a little because of the anniversary. But why did we publish, um, actually, if you're, I don't know if you're looking at that, um, but it is a facsimile, a forgery, this Christ's body found Easter canceled issue of the Fifth Estate of uh, a Detroit, a hideous Detroit right-wing daily called the Detroit News. And the, one of the things that we always were about, we mentioned earlier about critical thinking, is people trust people trust certain forms and and usually in this society ones they shouldn't trust so people trust the Detroit news 
Um, and then all of a sudden, we put out a forgery, essentially. Actually, the New York Public Library just asked us for a copy of it. They they have whole bunches of those, like the Yes Men, not so long ago, put out. Yeah, a, yeah, they copied you decades later with the New York Times. With the New York Times thing, yeah. And, and so we did a, a number of those, including university papers saying that the university president had resigned and and in in his statements in the fake news account of it we had statements critiquing the corporate university and its connection to militarism and what have you so this Christ's body found easter canceled it and it, this was put in the news boxes i guess they still have those right yeah you know where you you see the paper facing out so that that was the one that you saw and a number of rascals the night before pasted them up on church doors um, as, uh, uh-huh. as well. In fact, we heard that one preacher even uh, preached using it, holding it up, saying, "This, is, you know, <laughs> is, he has <laughs> he has risen," and and it is on display at the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art, Detroit. So you got this Detroit news, you know, and it shows uh, the feet shows the feet of Christ with, you know, like holes in them. And I was there watching this student saying, how, how could this be? And, I, and he didn't even know who I was. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, uh, this is Christ's body found. I said, yeah. He said, how could that be? I said, I don't know. It's in the paper. Must be true. And he just <laughs> looked so totally perplexed. I mean, he I mean, didn't get it one bit. You know, how could... How could the Detroit News say something so improbable? Well, it says improbable stuff every single day. It's based on improbabilities, right? Absolutely. And it, and it deserves that kind of critique uh, to this day. All of these uh, newspapers do. Uh, they get things right occasionally, and they generally get everything wrong. Uh, we, we have uh, just a couple of minutes left. Uh, what, are, what are the prospects going forward for the Fifth Estate? Uh, how can people get involved? How can people support it? Uh, how can uh, 17-year-olds today uh, get engaged with something started by a 17-year-old 50 years ago? Well, boy, we want 17-year-olds because we we're already looking for people to run the 100th anniversary of the 5th estate. <coughs> but, <coughs> pardon me. Um, so sign the, up the now, pop- right? Newspapers, newsprint, is, uh, papers, and particularly uh, left and radical ones, are collapsing at a pretty fast clip and you know, being undone by the Internet. We actually have a growing subscription list. We uh, have uh, growing circulation. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, um, you know, again, uh, I don't want to invoke hubris, but say, boy, you know, there was 500 papers uh, in the underground press movement in the 60s and 70s. Now there's only just us. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, the figure after one going down is zero. And I'm, you know, I do radio, you know, I do uh, have a website of my own, you know, we do a lot of electronic stuff. But there is something about print, because, you know, with all the work, David, that you and I do, it's gone pretty quickly, because it's up there just in the air. Here, you take these uh, papers, and half a century later, and people that are listening, you know, they're, you know, your audience, in their 30s, 40s, even their 50s, this goes back, you know, before they were born. You can go through these magazines and read these accounts of this movement of opposition to war and racism and, uh, and discrimination that are there, and most of them 
you know, some of them are dated, obviously, but they, the critiques are the same. I mean, you can read newspapers from the industrial workers of the world 100 years ago, and they're talking about capitalism and the, the oppression of labor. And this fleeting medium here, Peter, not only will be gone, but it runs out of time. And yep. uh, we will have to encourage everyone to go to fifthestate.org and email fe at fifthestate.org and say, I'd like my free copy. Peter Werby, thank you very much for everything you do and for coming on Talk Nation Radio. You too, David. You're a gem. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.